There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is My Wardrobe Malfunction, the podcast about our unique relationship with the items we wear and so much else besides. We've been away for the summer and we're back with season bloody eight and we've got eight more fabulous guests for you to enjoy if you've joined us before it's lovely to have you with us if you're a complete newbie hello and welcome you've got 56 episodes to catch up on with everyone from elizabeth hurley and Nile rogers to dame jacqueline wilson and the reverend richard coles in every episode, I ask them to reveal their comfort blanket, their birthday suit, and of course, their most memorable wardrobe malfunction. And we've had some absolute corkers so far. At the end of the episode, we've got some exciting news about our first ever live show. So hang on until then for more. But on to today's special guest, a comedian, presenter, actor, and now author with her first novel, the best things. It's Mel Gedroich. I've always adored Mel and Sue, but never really got to know them. So it was wonderful to sit down over Zoom and talk a bit of sense and a fair amount of nonsense. So let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors and find out what's inside. So, everybody, how are you today? Um, I am going to be talking to someone. Let me see if you can guess who this person is. So this person um, has just fallen asleep in the garden on her sun lounger. It's a red lounger. It's a red lounger. A red sun lounger. So you would think it would be someone who's maybe about 78 years old, who's been in the garden, done a bit of weeding and has a cup of tea and has fallen asleep with her face planted in the newspaper. But actually, it's comedian, (laughs) actress, presenter, one half of a legendary TV duo, it's not Trini, and now novelist Mel Gedroich. Is that how I say it? Gedroich. Do you know, that was absolutely bang on, Susan. <gasps> that was bang on. And can I just say, <laughs> I love the idea of being 78 and having my face planted in a, in a, in a newspaper mm-hmm. and possibly with a trug in one hand <laughs> and, a, and a kneeler, a gardening kneeler, because we all love a kneeler. Let's be honest, we do. We do. And just and slumped over some potentillas or something like that, or a rhododendron bush, just slumped. Slumped. I would say having had a few sherries mm-hmm. at four in the afternoon. Oh, I, I hope the future pans out like Wouldn't that. Wouldn't that be perfect? I mean, sherry is oh. such a thing. I remember my one of the kind of long-abiding m- m- memories, nostalgic yeah. memories, have, is the smell of sherry on my grandmother's breath she was a raging alcoholic and I remember that smell so well do you know I totally know that smell Mm. and I've suddenly remembered because you'd think sherry mm, meh bit whatever I had the most incredible sherry at a wedding in Spain (gasps) it was beautiful right in the south of Spain and in sherry country, and um, they did them with blocks of ice, and it yes, made total. It, it made total sense. Why do we not do that? We're so lame in GB with with not with everything, but with you know. Why do we have warm sherry mm. out out of a sort of tweed decanter with with sort of musk and moss? Yeah, and those kind of like little vase shaped glasses, you know, that you get like a stirrup cup or whatever <laughs> it is. A stirrup, which sounds gynecological. It does, isn't it? Stirrup. Get your feet in the stirrups. I've been so looking forward to this interview. Because I do feel we've probably got quite a lot in common in terms of being 
a duo, although a you're duo, still going yeah. and Trini and I aren't, um, a duo writing, you now no- turned novelist, and um, which is so fantastic. But, you. you know, if I wind the movie back a little bit, I'm fascinated by your father because I'm obsessed with Siberia for a start. And so Siberia during that time, during the war and everything. No, and your God. late father came to the UK when he was 17 years old, isn't that right? And then, but he'd been in Siberia, so tell me more. So, geographically speaking, he was born in possibly one of the worst areas to be at that time. Uh, It was then Eastern Poland, Mm -hmm. um, but it's now part of Belarus, I think. Uh, So you had the Germans coming from one side and you had the Russians coming from the other, and they were stuck right in the middle, basically. So Germany declared war, they invaded Poland, and rather than getting the hell out, as a lot of people were and actually had been doing for the year or year, maybe even longer running up to that um, in that part of the world, my granddad, Tadeusz, who I'm slightly obsessed with, um, and I'm, I, I'm not really into psychics. I don't really sort of buy into all that. I don't know about you, Susanna. I find it, I don't know, a bit creepy. I don't know. I sort of think live your life. I, I want to I want to believe in it, but I don't. But keep going. Well, I I really don't believe in it until I met a psychic mm-hmm. who just said, I'm sorry, I've got to talk to you right away. Your granddad, Tadeusz, is around you all the time. And I was like, right, okay, uh, tell me more. This was a long time. This was kind of before, no, not before the internet, obviously, but it was before sort of mass social media and, you know, information zinging around. It's probably in the sort of early 90s or something. So uh, I don't think she could have found anything online. And she just described him absolutely to, to to the nth degree. It was really weird. And he had a weird thing. He hated his... Uh, daughters wearing makeup and nail varnish because he was sort of a very proud man you know this is the 20s 30s and he just really hated that and she said he's coming through very strongly saying he hates the way you dye your hair (laughs) and I I just thought oh wow okay that's good to know I'll I'll, I'll rethink those uh, foiled highlights next time I go into the hairdresser maybe I'll go for a balayage who knows um but I just thought to know that sort of detail just was really really strange and I sort of I yeah do you find it creepy or did you find it um comforting or fascinating bit of both actually bit creep bit creeps and a bit comfort creepy comfort Mm. yeah but anyway I'm sorry to digress um so yes Tadeusz my granddad who is apparently around a lot hi granddad Thanks a lot. He won't approve of your hair either, Susanna. I'm terribly sorry to <laughs> My, say. Excuse me, I am a natural fucking blonde. Obviously <laughs> not. <laughs> he might have a few words to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, so while everyone else was kind of getting the hell out of Dodge, um, Tadeusz, very proud guy, he was a sort of, uh, he was a judge and um, a landowner and... Uh, or, you know, all this sort of thing, quite establishment, I suppose, although quite radical, but that's another story, Uh, didn't go, said, no, we're staying. We are staying here. This is where we are. This is our our place. This is our home. And, of course, the Russians literally drove a tank up the drive and onto the front lawn, took him away, and that was pretty much the last time my dad ever saw him, although he saw him waving out of a prison window a month down the line that was it unbelievable and so what happened to your your father so my dad was uh 11 i'm getting goosebumps talking about tadeusz i'm getting the bumps he's around he's around (gasps) creepy comfort creepy comfort um yes uh so my dad was 10 slash 11 he was 11 actually when when war broke out and with his mum and his two sisters they were deported not immediately, some very amazing and brave villagers sort of hid them for a month or two and they passed passed round the area sort of being uh, being hidden because they were total sort of persona non grata because uh, they were part of the bourgeoisie. You know, they, they owned land and uh, the Russians obviously declared them enemies of the people. So they were sent, they were deported 
to die basically they didn't go to a, they didn't go to um the gulag uh but they were effectively rounded up put into cattle trucks and sent east to fend for themselves i mean the, this was the great plan you know this was stalin's great plan that you go there to toil and die mm. essentially you know and you sort of think an 11 year old boy with a 17 and 18 year old sisters and mum probably their chances aren't going to be that that great but unbelievably uh you know and there are many survivors that came out of Siberia there are many many that didn't but they did you know quite extraordinary really my grandmother Tadeusz's wife was very very hardcore strong totally strong woman she was yeah really something else actually and she sort of kept them all going I think by sheer force of will and Amazing, really. How it's, amazing. Yeah. Have you done that show? Do you Have you done Who Do You Think You Are? Do you know what? Um, the very first series of that show that there ever was, they rang, they rang me and they said, uh, would you be up for doing this? And I said, absolutely. Yeah, love to. This sounds really interesting. And they said, tell us a bit about your dad's side. And I, I as I've done to you, Susanna, I do apologise. I blethered on to them on the phone for about an hour and a half and they said yeah we'll we'll get back to you and they said no because we knew too much the whole point of that uh, show okay. i think is yeah it's that brilliant thing where you know people go on the show and they discover that extraordinary secret that they didn't know about that's unlocked you know but my dad wrote a lot about his past and his family and his genealogy so i think they kind of felt Mm, there's not a lot to discover so I didn't I didn't do it I've never I've never done it so have you done it no we were again we were asked I think first or second season and and yeah. uh, Trini and I were going to do it together but our backgrounds oh. weren't interesting enough I, that, that's just never true though I'm sorry that is yeah. never the case you always find something you know there is I've, I've, I love that show I watch it a lot and there's mm, a, me too a, occasionally you start watching it and you think Mm, this is this 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 isn't the most scintillating episode I've seen, and then suddenly something happens, and you're completely sort of gripped. Mm. I don't know that I'm trying to think who that's happened with, but it's happened a few times. Yeah, it is ama- It is it is amazing. It's, it's a genius format, so clever. And and your dad, so he then he came to the UK. Yeah, and age he seventeen. Then yeah, went on to have how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, I'm the youngest of four, so oh my uh, yeah. He met my mum in. Oh, I'm fascinated. I mean, fashion wise, everything wise, yeah. in L- London in the late forties, early fifties. Can you just imagine? I love to be sort of teleported back there and just wander the streets. It would be fascinating, and to see how women did with nothing. You know, to see how glamorous and amazing, and they had absolutely bugger all. Most of them, didn't they, post-war? Um, but it's so interesting that time because it's like women women really had, you know, we talk about female emancipation and la, 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 which really came about with the pill. But you look at, um, you know, at that time, they, they were allowed to really not so much wear their sexuality but wear their feminism on that, you know, they were so glamorous and so yeah. womanly, whereas a man... They only had their suit. They had, whatever their age, they had to dress like their dads. And, you know, everyone bangs on about women would trod on, which we, you know, we have been and we were, and it's, you know, the change is needed. But I think also for men, you know, men had it very tough as well. And then it wasn't until the 60s and the pill when they were allowed to kind of express their womanly side almost with their long hair and their fancy shirts and... Yes, I think I love, um, I've got two teenage daughters, 19 and 17, and um, I really love their, <laughs> this is going to sound really creepy, <laughs> but I, re- I really love their male friends, the boys, they're so, I don't know, they're, they're, they're doing the whole long hair again, and ex- I mean, totally borrowing each other's clothes, it's all gone you know that that ah, oh, it's it's fluid, and I think it's really interesting at the moment. Actually, yeah, I love so the way I. that I love. I love the way they. I don't know. The sound, I don't want to sound shallow, but I love the way that I love their style. Actually, they look great. A lot of them, not all of them, 
But you are, you're so, that's such an interesting point because you think about the kind of 60s and 70s, there was that fluidity there. If you look yeah. at sort of Bowie oh. and Mark Bolan, it, what, it has been there, it has existed. And then it all went kind of very big shoulders, Margaret Thatcher, la, 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 la. Yeah. And now we're kind of fighting for that. We're fighting to, you know, to be fluid and not worry about gender and... Yes. But we've, we, it was so natural in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, I'm always amazed. I mean, I'm obsessed with Bowie, um, really deeply obsessed. And I always love looking at the pictures of him in sort of Ziggy, you know, the Ziggy era, sort of 71, 70, 71, 72. And how extraordinary he looked against the background. So there's lots of lovely pictures of him sort of walking in the streets with Mick Ronson, who is his amazing guitarist, and how grey and still how post-war early 70s London looks and how drab everyone looks. And then there's this kind of, there's this alien, there's this Martian in, in the form of Bowie sort of striding down the street with bright red hair, nothing on but red dungarees, you know, nothing underneath, huge platform boots, fag on, huge amounts of makeup. And you just think, oh, my God, to have been there and seen that in that sort of drabness and to have had that sort of shining brightness must have been truly mind-blowing. Oh, But, but, it's, but also you had at that time... A, a, you know, with you're so right with how everything, the background was so drab, and so yeah, you you were able to stand up if you had the balls to do it. You were able yeah. to do that, but today it's like, how can you stand up? How do you stand out today, Sartorially? I don't know. Well, it's weird, isn't it? Because you look at the hipsters. Um, I mean, I live in Ealing, for Pete's sake. There's not a hipster <laughs> for a nine for a nine mile radius. You know. Certainly not in your garden, your bag, and your, on your sun lounge. <laughs> but I have been to hipster territory. I went to Shoreditch once. Um, no, but you look at those guys, you know, who've got the sort of the the twirly moustaches and the short uh, crop trousers and the beards and the sort of tweed jackets and smoking the pipes. In a way, it seems like the way to stand out. Out is sort of to go ultra ultra square and Victorian because to mm. me they look they look like comedy Victorian portraits those those guys do you know what I mean it's quite yeah, funny I do, yeah it's so I true. mean e everyone wears sequins now don't they everyone wears pale blue eyeshadow everyone wears you know zany leggings and bright trainers you can't do it that way you've got to sort of almost go the other way yeah and seems. become drab like the background in the 1970s yeah. Yeah. But when you were growing up, you were the youngest. So yeah. were you kind of, your clothing, was it sort of based on your wardrobe? Was it based on hand-me-downs or were you solid. ever able? Oh, okay. Solid, solid, oh, solid hand-me-downs. Can I just say, Susanna, I'll get this out. I'll get this off my chest. There is only one photograph of me, I think, in the 70s and also 80s. There's one photograph. Am I Mom hearing and a bit of resentment there? Mum and Dad were so tired and probably the bank account was so depleted by the time that I came along that uh, they were never going to waste any precious money on photographs or developing thereof. Uh, yeah, there's one photo. Uh, I looked like a boy till I was 17, pretty much. I was called Sonny solidly till I was 17. Uh, Hand-me-downs came. My godmother... Um, my godmother's an interesting character. She uh, she'd met my mum and dad in Hong Kong. So mum and dad, mum and dad had a brilliant sixties. Actually, they were living sort of slightly, you know, party party expat life out in Hong Kong because my dad was an aeroplane designer um, at the time, and it was all pretty cool. The photos are great, and my god, there are hundreds of the photos. <laughs> um, but my godmother was a sort of oh, a heavy smoker, you know, lots of gin, lots of gin and clinking ice and liquid eyeliner. And she was one of those really extraordinary characters, a little bit like she had the voice of, I think it was Jennifer from the Two Fat Ladies. Do you remember Two oh, Fat Ladies? Yes, of course. Yeah. She was cut out of that cloth. Mm -hmm. And I think sort of felt slightly, this annoyed my mum, felt a bit sorry for us. She sort of was always, oh my, oh my, I mean, Melly, what's she wearing? Oh, God, you know. So she would, she was the main supplier of the hand-me-downs. And actually, there was some quite quality stuff in there. I don't know where they came from. Because she what, so you kids. were wearing your godmother's clothes <laughs> when you were no. in your late teens? 
Not her. No, she she got them from somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Probably the sort of, you know, the kind of commuter belt Surrey set. I don't were know. They new? Were they new or has she gone to a skip? They were they were new to me, Susanna. <laughs> they were new to me and that's all that counts. And that's what were they like? No, they weren't new. They weren't new. But they were dresses. I never so my so my wardrobe when I was a kid, and actually my husband started howling with laughter literally the other night, because he just he said I went out the other night, short t shirt plimsolls on my bike, and my husband was just laughing, saying, (laughs) You have not changed since you were eleven. And that's the truth. It was t shirt, shorts plimsolls for years and years and years and years dodgy haircut no break no brace work done on the teeth I mean hideous sort of 70s uh lack of dental work teeth and that's just that's just what it was that's how we all were back in the day um and it was kind of nice you didn't have to worry about what you're going to wear my sister who really you should be speaking to she's so blooming trendy and kind of elegant and she's five years above me she used to go out loads to youth club discos and stuff like that and had array arrays of clothes and shoes and makeup and stuff I just had shorts t-shirt plimsolls but I identify so much more with you oh really (laughs) no I really really do and I'm wondering if we do it's a thought whether we do revert to our childhood because my childhood was the same. I was only, I was only ever in jeans and t-shirts and oh, plimsolls or you yeah. know jodper boots and a pair of oh, uh, I don't know some breeches or something. And that is literally what I wear now, not the jodper boots or the breeches. But I'm I'm I mean look at me. No, I, I'm a complete wreck. And but I'm very happy with that. So I you're not a complete wreck at all. And can I just say, I I can only see the top half of you, but I'm 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 hoping. That the bottom half has got jodhpurs and also jodhpur boots on. No, as we speak. it's just jeans. It's my husband's jeans actually. Oh, is I'm it? wearing. So I don't have any clean ones. Yeah. Can't so the feel. button does up the wrong way around, you know. So forget yes. that. But um, <laughs> so do you remember your first new item that you ever got? Yep, they were a pair of Lord Anthony high waister triple buttoned flared jeans. and I'd seen them in a boutique. In fact, I'm going to say that the shop was called Boutique. I think the shop was called Boutique, with T-E-E-K at the end rather than Mm -hmm. Q-U-E, in Leatherhead, which was the nearest sort of sizable town to where I grew up. I saw them in the window and absolutely fell in love. I mean, totally fell in love. They were Bowie, they were Mark Bolan, they were everything that I wanted to be. You know, they, they were flared, for God's sake. And um, I saved up and saved up. I was on 7p pocket money a week at the okay. time. And I think yeah. these tra- these trousers were possibly 650 <gasps> or 695 Yeah, yeah, they weren't cheap. Um, and I think my lovely mum, actually, I, th- I saved up for about a year. Uh, and I think my lovely mum stepped in and said, look, you've done really well. You've saved your 7p's. Um, every week for a year, and now it's time for me to actually no. Hang on, so if I was on seven p, no seven you about a decade. Yeah, I, my maths is so bad. Yeah, how many so... weeks? How many weeks in a year, Susanna? Is it fifty two? Fifty two. Okay, so fifty two. I'm, I'm getting. I've got my calculator out. Okay, fifty two. Hang on, I, I have, can barely work a calculator either. Fifty two. Three pounds sixty four. I've got. Okay, so maybe your mum said she did match what you you've saved exactly. Yeah, so I save three sixty four. She adds the you know three pounds twenty p whatever. Boom, we're in business. And I wore those jeans. I would say I wore them every day for about seven years. I probably got them when I was eight. I know probably not seven years, but I wore them the whole time. I was obsessed. They had that, they they were that sort of brush, that brush denim. And I think they had some sort of red, like a like a car on them or something. You know what I mean? Like a what, like a you patch. Know, yeah, like a patch. Exactly. <laughs> they had a pre a pre-ironed patch or sewn <gasps> patch on oh, them. 
those jeans... Those I was the jeans. bee's knees, ma'am. I was the bee's knees. I wasn't allowed a pair of kicker boots, which were big, but my mum did let me get the chucker boots, which were the cheaper version of the kicker that were done by, I think, Freeman Hardy Willis. Oh so my I had me. Freeman yeah. Hardy Willis? Okay. Yeah, I had my chuckers, the cheap version of kickers, not as good. Colours weren't as good, but anyway, mm. I didn't complain. The Lord Antony's, and then on top, I would say probably one of my god, one of my godmother's. Hand me down, gin swilling set tops. I'm going to say that that's probably what was going on. A lace, a sort of some weird lacy shirt with a big collar or something. Sounds hideous. Really bad. But I love the sound of the jeans and the and the chuckers. They sound amazing. Cheers. But my darling, do you um do you have a sort of look? Do you think when you were a teenager, it's like like at school? Did you have a, a look, or was it uniform at school? So we're heading into the 80s. I did school, mm-hmm. sort of secondary school, 79 to 86. And, you know, back in the day, you couldn't just go into a top shop. Mind you, you can't go into a top shop now, can you? Because it's closed. It's closed down. Yeah, I know. But, no, you couldn't just sort of go into, you know, a high street shop and get something really groovy. I mean, I'm so jealous of my kids. They they can do they can do that, you know. High street shops were a bit drab, weren't they? And a bit yeah, expensive. They were. So we had to, you know, this is sorry, I'm sounding like a real old biddy, but we had to create and make our own yeah. things. I wore for a lot of the eighties a trilby that had belonged to one of my great uncles, I think. A, a trilby at a jaunty angle because Gary Newman had worn one and I thought that's yeah. cool. I had a Mac from Oxfam. I had a plastic flower in the lapel of the <laughs> Mac as a sort of corsage. And then I had I had this pair of jeans that I sewed to make them drain pipe. So one of them was bloody tight and then the other was slightly flapping around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. Oh, my Just... God. I would love to see. And a pair of... These were my absolute pride and joy uh, mum bought them for me for secondary school. They were plastic, uh, <laughs> plastic moccasins <laughs> with chains. <laughs> they were so bad. So within about an hour, you'd be swilling around in them because your feet just got so sweat sweaty. They Wasn't were that ab- kind of like really bad heat waves <laughs> in the ages? You'd be sticking to the pavement. You'd be stuck. They were really bad. But I bloody love those shoes. I absolutely love those shoes. And and we all used to go to this nightclub called Angles, which was quite pretty, you know, pretty goth. Very, very serious. It was underneath Millet's um, in the middle of Oxford where I did my teenage years. So we'd head to Angles. And there'd be, I mean, people would make these extraordinary outfits for the night, you know, out of bin liners and other plastic materials there was a lot of heavy sweating (laughs) (laughs) heavy sweating and heavy petting so how come you went to how come you went to because you clearly super bright because you went to cambridge but how come you didn't go to oxford if you were living in oxford or did you want to get as far away from yeah you know get away from home do you know what the honest truth is my mum uh bought me and my sis one of my sister's tickets uh, to go and see the Cambridge Footlights, which um, were a sketch act. I'd never heard of them. I didn't know anything about them. I was 14 and um, they were playing in Oxford. And she she just said, she said, because I was really massively into comedy and I loved things like Not the Nine O'Clock News, um, The Young Ones, that kind of stuff was, uh, Alexis Sale, French mm-hmm. and Saunders, that kind of stuff was really, really massively important for anyone of my generation you know and so she said look there's this group they're students um they're playing I think you might quite enjoy this you get yourself along so I went with my sis and I swear to god the curtains went up and they started and I it was like a sort of it was it was like a sort of religious experience I saw these students doing this really sort of you know what I thought I'm sure it was but you know probably now if I saw it it might not be but then it just seemed so avant-garde and so sort of naughty and out there and different and kind of um I don't know 
thrilling. That's a really mm. good word. Yeah. And I sat in just literally leaning forward. My bum didn't touch the seat the whole night. I just thought, oh my God, this is unbelievable. This is incredible. This is actually, I, I want to be doing what they're doing. I want to be right there doing what they're doing. So that, that I'm afraid is, is the reason that I applied. Uh, so what Cambridge. did you read at Cambridge? Uh, I did French and Italian. Um, really? Or, How come? Yeah. Um, I, I just really loved uh, modern languages. I think growing up with a dad who wasn't English, um, it made our house, uh, you know, in Leatherhead and then in Oxford, there were always loads of people from different parts of the world passing through it. Mum and dad were very sociable and we had a lot of Poles coming through. Um, we had family all over the world. We had family in Argentina, in Paris, in uh, Canada and all sorts. So it was quite a sort of very multicultural sort of vibe, I think, in the house, which was great. Um, and I think, the, I, I, I don't know, I probably got it from my dad, you know. Um, he, lo he loved languages. He was, he spoke English so bloody well. It was ridiculous. He spoke it much better than me. Oh God, his vocabulary and his nuance, you know, his sort of turn of phrase really really good, good linguist I was terrible I just didn't work at all I got to Cambridge I met great people and did comedy and was a hopeless student and I never ever would have got in um these days back in the day you, you could slip through with a bit of billy bullshit and a bit of this and a bit of that not so now so I feel lucky that I got in <laughs> And that's where you met Sue. And Yay! Was that kind of like, was it when you met her, was it like love at first sight? Did you get on immediately? I'm sure you've been asked this question a million times. No, no, not at all. We um, So it was a comedy night. Um, the Footlights uh, Society, the sketch yeah. group society, uh, used to run these open, open spot nights. Uh, and I was in my second year. I'd already done a year. So I was a bit like, you know, a little bit probably a bit pleased with myself, a bit kind of, I know what's going on here, you know, I'm not a newbie anymore. So I was at one of these open spot comedy nights, uh, standing at the back, and there are a load of blokes coming on, yeah, blah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, gags about Jurex, uh, you know, gags mm. about blah, 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 whatever. And then this figure appeared, this this girl, this really short, spiky hair, and I had really short, spiky hair, and she just came on fag on, you know, and she just, she it was off the cuff. She hadn't prepared any material. That was absolutely clear. And she just did 10 minutes about being in an all-girl college and what, what it was like at the bar, the college bar in an all-girl college. And it was piss funny. It was so funny. And I just thought, wow, that is so cool. Um, so she says that I went up to her afterwards with a fag on and I had a full sort of rave outfit really embarrassing it was 88 mm -hmm. and I had she says I had a bandana on and a whistle I just can't remember that but it might be true <laughs> and um oh and she said that I went up to her and said of oh, something really embarrassing like you've got you've you've got a bright future in comedy kid or something like that I I'm sure I did she was younger than, oh no you said that to her oh my yeah. god what a wanker <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> she was it. She was a year younger, and you know uh, what that's like yeah. at uni. At uni, a it's year like a younger, void. yeah, it's a generation, isn't it? So yeah, I I was trying to act the sort of Svengali of comedy, which I really, really wasn't <laughs> at all. But I remember thinking when I spoke to Sue and when we became friends, which we did very quickly. Um, God, it was a relief to meet a kindred spirit. You know, there were a lot of guys doing comedy. Um, at Cambridge, many of whom I adore and are great friends and all the rest of it. But, oh, my God, it was so brilliant to meet somebody that you could, that you could just howl with laughter. It's plain and simple. And that's kept us going for over 30 years. You, you know what you know, you know, what, you know what that's like. That, mm. That's those friendships that you have with girls that and mm. they just get it and they get you and you find the same things funny and it's probably very annoying for other people, actually, because there are so many in jokes. We've got so much shared experience over the last three decades that I, oh, it must be very annoying, actually. It is annoying. I know it's annoying because I've been told it's annoying by friends. Mm. But it's so, I mean, how lucky, how lucky that you met and... 
I know, right? And had that, and you're still, you have this extraordinary bond and friendship and love for each other. And yeah, we ge- we genuinely do. We've had a we've had our ups and downs. My God, you know, life throws some really strange old goods at you. Doesn't I love mm. the word good? I just wanted to get that in. Um, you know, you you get knocked around and taken in different directions, and we've certainly both had that. But I think. I think I just we we've always managed to sort of come back and find common ground and um the older we get actually you know it's going to be harder and harder to disentangle we we've mm. admitted that to each other so why bother yeah exactly why bother you've got someone there for life there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You had quite distinctive looks, both of you. And, I mean, was that, I imagine that that for you, that was totally authentic. You're kind of the TV Mel. Is the the TV Mel the same as the Mel I'm talking to now, who's wearing a sort of stripy cotton (laughs) shift dress? Deck chair. I like these colours, though. I love the colours. Really? Yeah, Yeah, you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cheers. I got this three years ago from Next... Yeah, it's nice. Thanks. I re- it's so easy. Yeah. It's so ruddy easy. Yeah, it's like and a pillowcase. Exactly. And yeah. it goes just above knee length, so it's not showing any of the slightly dodginess that's going on these days mm-hmm. on the upper thigh area. Mm, not good. So you yeah, know you're same. safe. You know you're yeah. safe. Just whack it on. There you go. Um, I would say the TV Mel and Sue looks are very much created by other people i mean if we went on well to a degree to a degree and i would say they're often created by very limited budgetary budgetary work because i can't remember what i I might be talking out of out of my my, my, me ass but i think for example when we did bake-off i think the budget was 50 quid a show for our for our clothes each something like that what yeah because it wasn't an entertainment show it didn't come from the entertainment yeah. department it came from whatever it came from factual anyway yeah factual entertainment something like that small budge small budge really little budget i mean that is yeah almost insulting because because you are so you got it's like you're so on show yeah. Because you've got all the, the cooks who are in their apron, the bakers who are in their aprons and everything. Yeah. And then you have the kind of wonderfully glamorous Mary Berry. Yeah. Um I mean her her budge was pretty pretty small as well, but yeah. her her own wardrobe is elegant and wonderful. Exactly. Um no, I, I, I think I'm right in saying that. Certainly when the show was on BBC two, I think we were moved when I think when we moved to BBC one, the budget got a bit a bit better for our wardrobe but not 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 terribly not terribly much and and not because I don't think it was out of any malice or any no. sort of feeling it was just that's that's the money that was allotted for those shows because they came from that department you know so we had an amazing and we still do she's fantastic Rachel Davis um who's a great friend and does uh styling um for lots of people she's brilliant and she just, I don't know how she did it, but she just kind of made it work. Mm. Yeah, because it's like Trini and I, we were presenting a fashion programme. I mean, yeah. not really about fashion, more more about um, 
psych, you know, the psychological impact Absolutely. those have on women. But we had, we didn't even have a fifty pound budget. We had nothing. Nothing. Are you serious? Yeah, nothing. But were you allowed to borrow stuff? No, because we were no. so no, because we were like, you know, we were we were the pariahs because we'd be on and we had a page in the Telegraph and we'd say if we thought something was shit, we'd say it was shit. And we were just not fashionable, you know, we were not fashionable. We were we weren't considered to be fashionable. So we had no one no one lent us stuff. And if they had lent us stuff, Trinia could have got into the samples, but I couldn't have done. So do you know I, what I mean? I, but you always looked brilliant, though. Well, we had to buy our own stuff, you know, and I think it is. It goes back to the thing, of, you know, which we always said, and it's an old trope now, but if you know your shape and you show off what you like about your body and, and it's how you carry it's confidence. And I've yeah, actually noticed yeah, you, yeah, yeah. how much confident you seem to be in your appearance. Well, that's very kind of you. Thanks. You, know, you I carry it. It's like you you wear your, which is you know, confidence is sexy. Mm. You seem to be much more confident in yourself and in how you look. Oh, bless you. I do, do you know? I think that's age actually as well. I just I, you know, I turned fifty three years ago, um, and I just sort of it was a bit of a it was a bit of a landmark uh, moment, watershed, whatever the expression is. Um, watermark? No, it wasn't a watermark. It was a watershed. Uh, watershed, yeah, yeah. Plimsoll whatever. line, whatever. Yeah, Plimsoll line. It was Plimsoll the Plimsolls. Line. Yeah, absolutely. And mm. I just thought, look, come on! It doesn't matter what people think of you anymore. It was really that was quite nice, actually. And I think that gives you confidence, doesn't it? If you just think, I, you know, I don't mean in a sort of arrogant, uh, arrogant way, because I think arrogance is horrid and it is deeply unsexy, isn't it? Mm. arrogance makes people look embarrassing even if they're wearing a million dollar suit or dress it just oh this looks horrid if they're arrogant but no I think confidence yeah defo is is a good is a good thing to aspire to probably takes a while takes a bloody while to get there though doesn't it it really does Mm. and you can have it in some areas and not in others yeah 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 but I mean, Definitely. in terms of how you look too, you and then obviously, as we know, we have good days and bad days. Oh, I do feel God, like yes. bad days are the days that I don't know if you're the same. But if I'm feeling shit about myself and how I look, which isn't in, infrequent, um, but then I'll make more of an effort. So you can see today, I'm feeling particularly confident and pleased with myself because I've made absolutely no effort whatsoever. Yeah, yeah great. Mm. It, absolutely great I love that v- I'm she's re- yeah. no I yeah. can I can never wear a v-neck why I'd love I just can't how big are your boobs big well, they exactly. are no okay, do you, oh, no. why do you have it so I mean actually that's a good note just stand up let me see your tits stand up a bit because this is the your boobs aren't that big they are they are and I've got a sports bra on Oh, I do that too, yeah. And and I've got this weird empire line uh, sort of grill thing, which is part (laughs) of the dress. It's really weird. Can you see that? Yeah, it's like a radiator grill. It's like like a radiator grill. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) I'm rocking a radiator grill today. Um, uh, (laughs) But yes, and I'm wearing a sports bra and I've worn this same bra uh, it's a bravissimo bra, sports bra. I've I've worn the same bra for about five years because mm. it makes me feel that it makes my boobs smaller. Just I do it, no, but I do exactly the same. I wear shock absorber. I run. I wear sh- so. What I'll do is I'll wear shock absorber, and you know I'm sure that's the same. And they have those seams which aren't yeah, yeah. t-shirts. So I'll put the shock absorber on, and then I'll put a slightly molded bra over the top of that. Over the top of that. Oh, so wow. a nude one, and then I can wear. So I wear two bras, not just one. God, is that And then I can wear. Hard? Then I can no. Well, it does with your neck if you've got no top on, but if with clothes, I put that over the top. I'm not doing it today, but um, yeah, that's that's my little tip for big boobs. Wow, not sexy, but it makes it makes clothes look much better. I would. I've always. Oh, I know this is so pathetic and first world problem, and it, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'm going to say it. I've always been really jealous of women that can wear those little t-shirts with no bra and I just I'd love to I'd love to run down a beach 
not with the kajungas kind of going, boof, 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 you know, flapping around. Um, just to be able to wear a singlet a with no singlet, yes. yeah, with no bra and just run somewhere. Oh my god, I know that is awful, and I feel ashamed to say that. Well, you know, it's it's not. But we all want what we don't have. I we know. All, so when you feel insecure, or if you're um, no, your self-esteem is a bit low or you're homesick. Do you have anything that's like a comfort blanket? That kind of, yes. It doesn't have to be something you wear. It could be a photograph. It could be anything. What do you have? I've got, um, I've got this, which is, uh, it's a, a blue, st- oh, not the freshest. It's a blue <laughs> cotton dressing gown. Oh, it's a beautiful cotton dressing gown, uh, blue stripes, very old school. So there's a navy stripe uh, with a thin green stripe running through the navy stripe and a red stripe and a white. It's, it's, it's quite military, actually, slightly mm. military. And it is indeed, it's a male dressing gown. And it came from one of my favourite catalogues ever, the James Mead catalogue. For the casual Mead. For the casual countryman. Okay. We started to get this catalogue coming through the door. I think something my husband bought. And we're now both absolutely obsessed with James Mead. I'm, I'm, I'm Googling look it, look him it now. Up. Hang look on, James. It up. I think my husband, he gets stuff from there. I might... Because I, I'm quite... I'm becoming more and more partial to men's clothing now. James yeah. Mead. James Mead. I, I tell you what, uh, their pyjamas are sen ruddy sensational but look but look okay i'm showing man a picture of a lady oh, with a, a lady sort of section? a scarf and a little cashmere cardio or something and that could that's how you would dress you need to dress oh. like that when it gets a bit colder and oh. you fall asleep in the garden <laughs> i didn't even know there was a james mead lady section we yeah. just get the bloke section and I'm, I'm sorry to say but hello here's another one i've got the medium one my husband has the large one. We have. Uh, I'm his sorry. And hers. His and, and hers. I know. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. I, I'm nestling my face with shame into the James Mead dressing gown. But I. They are so comforting, and you can wear them day or night. You can wear them in bed. You can wear them when you're out of bed. They always look quite good. They all. They make you look quite good. Is it something, because I think when you have um, a dressing gown like that, that becomes, a, it's almost like, a, it is a comfort blanket, actually. Yeah. I mean, do you wash it not very often? Because you're worried you're going to wear through it. Because I wouldn't wash it very often. No, I mean, I, at the moment, I'm looking at the James Mead dressing gown and I can see toothpaste, uh, turmeric. Okay. I think that's turmeric. God, that's middle class, isn't it? Yeah, turmeric the, stains terribly. Turmeric, it really does. Yeah. It really does. Something I don't quite know what that is. I'm going to gloss over that. Let's move on to another stain. I don't know. Oh, what yes. Some slightly... Are you sure toothpaste is toothpaste? <laughs> it, listen, it, it's on the lapel for Pete's sake. Oh, okay. okay. It's on the okay. lapel. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, there's quite a bit of stainage. Oh, there's some gardening. There's, there's some evidence of gardening around the hem yeah this hasn't been washed in i'd say six months okay that's that's yeah that's fine but then okay look i'm going to show you this now you could you could graduate to a bed of a law bed jacket i can see you in that Yes, yeah, it's kind I'd of like... pale blue with a little collar and a little bit of lace detail. And I over like a the night, nighty. Yeah, the hairdo like... is great. The hairdo is blooming. Look, it's, it's fabulous, sort of isn't it? Meg, isn't it? I is that candle wick that um, bed jacket? I can't see the. Um... What do you mean candle wick? Candle wick, isn't that? Um, didn't they used to make bedspreads in the sixties? Out of uh, yeah, it looks like it's it could double up as a bedspread. Bedspread is the right size in the right size. I'm going to put money on that being candle wick, and that is fine by me because we had a lot of candle wick growing up on various. Uh, well, we did beds. too, and I I used it. We had a bedspread. I had a candle wick bedspread, and now I know what it's called. And I remember I did use it as a, ca- a comfort blanket, and I kind of. Spit on it a little bit. Suck it. To yeah, make it a bit. It. Oh, God, yeah. you said something else. And then I'd rub it on my upper lip like that. 
you know, oh, I'd sort you? of rub it. So spit on it to make it even softer and then rub it on my upper lip. Oh, and did you? That's good. That's I so interesting. Would, I, would, I like getting the edges of things. So I've got the very edge of the James Mead and I like just rubbing it against uh, the inside of my first finger. Again, I thought you were going to say something else. The, the little stiff corner on your... Oh, I like rubbing it on the inside of there. my little finger. Oh, I, just, I find that really comforting. And it's, it's when you, yeah, as you rightly say, when you wash something like this, it, it's it's... It's actually really traumatic because you lose the gore, the smell. You mm. you just you need that smell, don't you? Mm. And the smell is usually probably foul to anyone else, but to you, it's just oh, it's amazing. I yeah. do. I really. I love this. So I love this dressing gown. I'm going to put it on. Okay, it's going I, on. I like. Oh, look at you. That's quite stripy, though, isn't it? We've got uh, horizontal stripes and now verticals too much color i can no, i kind of love that okay it's kind Thank of you. it's kind of good yeah so your um novel when did you decide <laughs> you were going to write that oh about 11 years ago oh, God, really God. did it take yeah. you that long yeah yeah it did to be fair well, because you did. were so busy or and you were dipping in and out of it a bit lazy as well it took me a while i do you know what going back to this whole um thing about confidence as well i think I didn't quite feel I had the confidence to do it. And then yeah. I turned 50 and I just thought, oh, God, stop, stop wanging on. Yeah, about stop your whinging. Exactly. You tell, yeah. you, uh, exactly. And you tell all your friends, oh, I'm going to write a novel, you know, and they're sort of slightly, you know, you can see the eyelids slightly drooping as they hear this for the hundredth time. But I just thought, let's do it. Let's get on with it. Life's too short. So, um, yeah, I suppose I was in my late 40s when I very luckily got um a publishing deal which was mm. amazing i got a two book deal to write two novels so that's the first um and there will be another one that's oh, so brilliant it's well, called the best things and is it did you have a time because it's a um the main protagonist in it well her family but you know she's left with nothing has you had any experience like that yourself where you've been like really insecure financially totally um it's it's that I got the whole sort of idea, the kernel of the idea for the novel from something absolutely that happened to us in real life, which was in a nutshell, we bought a house that was way, way, way too expensive for us and we shouldn't have ever have bought it. Uh, but we bought it because I was doing, <laughs> Sue and I had had a gig with Kingsmill Bread and we did their TV ads. And ludicrously you do get paid quite a lot of money for doing ads mm -hmm. um and I had two very small kids at the time but I was like well it's brilliant we've got Kingsmill I mean I just need to do two Kingsmill ads a year and that basically that that pays for everything we're absolutely fine so as far as our bank were concerned um you know I I would say well you know look at the Kingsman money that we've got mm. we've you know we're fine absolutely fine so so they lent us a ludicrous sum of money and we bought a ludicrous house well it wasn't that ludicrous but for us it was mm. the worst thing somebody said to me oh my god so we were like 35 or something the worst most crushing thing a friend said to me they came round to this stupid house and she walked in, she's a really good friend, and she looked at me and she went, oh, this is so grown up. Oh. And I just thought, I found that so, I just thought, God, we've made such a bloody error here. Which we very much had, because I got a letter from Mr and Mrs Kingsmill through the letterbox, out of the blue. I think we'd been in the house for about two years, or even like 18 months, saying, thank you very much, we no longer need you and Sue for the ads. Goodbye. And it was like, oh, but that's all the money we've got. That's that's all the earnings we've got. <laughs> it literally felt like that. It felt like being sort of slightly... And you feel so bloody stupid as well. Mm. I felt like such... That's frightening. A... It's frightening. Frightening. But I felt like a colossal goat. I mean, yeah. I, rang, I rang my brother, which I often do in times of crisis. He's the eldest of, of us four. And... <laughs> He, he did. He laughed quite a lot. And he said, look, I could have told you that this was going to happen. Um, and I said, mate, can you lend me 15 grand? And he said, no. Uh, <laughs> so that was uh, end of. 
because uh, I thought, look, if I can just borrow a bit to kind of keep the wolf from the door. Um, but listen, you know, this is not a kind of situation where we were going to be out on the streets, for God's mm. sake. And I'm, I'm not, and I'm not in the novel trying to spin a sob story. You know, this mm. is this is stupid middle class people being overly silly and aspirational and listening to wanker bankers. Mm. And I'm sure so many, you know, so many people identify with that. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's stupid. You know, I remember someone saying to me, you, you've never, we were doing the same with buying, buying a house and we knew we were going to have to have family and we so overstretched ourselves. Oh, man. Exactly. And he said, you'll never regret it. You'll never regret <gasps> it. It will always. And, and thankfully, actually, we didn't regret it and, and oh. we turned it around. But there's that moment. Well, good for you, Susanna. Yeah, I know. Good, sorry. We good were much, for bloody you. We were much smart, smarter and cleverer and wiser than you were. <laughs> but, my love, so have you had... An oh, actual wardrobe mile function. You must have had something hilarious happen to you. So, oh, yeah. Um, the first job that Sue and I ever did that made us uh, any money, genuinely, because we were out on the on the circuit and we were doing art centre gigs. We, we weren't cool enough even to do, you know, the kind of working men's clubs or the comedy store because we, we weren't that kind of act. So we did art centres. And let me tell you for nothing, they are amazing and I love art centres with all of my heart, but they don't bring in a lot of cash. So mm-hmm. we were we were making ends meet, we were doing other jobs. I did a lot of bar work and waitressing and Sue did door-to-door sales personing, which just the thought of that now makes me howl with laughter. <laughs> Imagine opening the door to find Perkins there trying to sell you a Hoover. Just <laughs> It wasn't Anne Summers. It's that <laughs> happened too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god anyway um so yes we we got it, it was sort of eight years after or seven years after we'd left uni it was seven years and we got our first tv break on a show called light lunch that was on channel yes 4. i remember oh uh, well it, it was i mean just so much fun we did it for two years we couldn't quite believe that we were doing it you know it was one of those it was like what the hell they let the kids in to have a play you know it literally felt like that the adults have let the kids come in and and um are allowed to play so it was it was amazing fun it was great anyway um had a bit of cash for the first time in my life um i got a lot of stick about this from my siblings who would sort of you know that thing siblings do this really well but they look at something that you've got in your house and they go how much was that then where did you get that from mm-hmm. you know what i mean they do that sort of slightly oh oh uh, yeah nice nice curtains or such you know something like that they didn't do that all the time they're lovely but there was a bit of that going on and it's it's I I did spend I did I just thought I I don't have any dependence I wasn't even going out with anyone I was just totally just like hey and I don't know why I did this Susanna and God forgive me for this but I went into Harvey Nichols which I'd never been in before with our agent Sue and my agent at the time was throwing a party a garden party for her birthday and I just thought right we're gonna go in and she's gonna look kind of quite cutting edge and quite groovy and you know we've got this show on channel four yes some of you might have seen it and we're a bit we're a bit risque and you know anyway blah 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 all these thoughts going through my head I found it utterly intimidating in Harvey Nicks I mean I loved it you know, from a sort of, oh, just kind of, you know, eyes out on stalks. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Found myself in, I don't even know. Oh, it was, oh, I think it was, I think it was Jean-Paul Gaultier. Uh, I think think it was in a Jean-Paul Gaultier stall or shop. mm. Um, And bought the most hideous item of clothing that I have ever, ever worn. And this item of clothing has gone down in the annals particularly in the annals of Susan Perkins, whenever she wants to just get it out and rip the piss. Sadly, I I gave it away because it was so disgusting. Please don't tell me it was the Madonna comb bra. That would have been at least cool. It was a blazer. It was a ruddy blazer, the sort of thing that some sort of suburban boat club 
portly gent in his 50s would wear. It's that, it's not even a cool blazer. It was a bloody, it was a blazer. The base colour of it um, was the colour of diarrhoea and the the stripe uh, going through it was a sort of murky yellow. Ooh. A a sort you might find in a sample bottle in a very, very old surgery. Yeah, it was absolutely it was a shocker and I think it cost me 200 pounds oh my god but did you put it on when you were wearing it did you did you <laughs> think oh my god I wore the blazer this is great I wore the blazer and as I just I mean just open laughter open laughter no but did you think it was nice when you bought it or was it an I, impulse buy it was an impulse buy and I thought and I don't think I would do this again hopefully I don't think I would do this ever again but I just thought I've got a bit of money now and I can buy something at Harvey Nichols and, and oh, there's a blazer on that mannequin and I'm going to buy it. I mean, just awful. Absolutely awful. I, I, I don't like shopping very much and I don't like shopping with other people. So I have to go on my own, which is always terrible because sometimes, oftentimes, I have a complete taste bypass. And on this occasion, by God, it was terrible. Okay. I look like I look like sort of Timbrook Taylor's father. <laughs> It was one of the. It was just really yeah. embarrassing. I should have had a boater with it. Do you know what I mean? And oh and a sort of cravat, you know, a sort of hello. <laughs> just awful. Absolutely bloody awful. It was a hot day. I was hot in the blazer. Um, and I don't want to diss Jean Paul Gaultier. The guy is a legend. He's a complete icon and wonderful, and still is. It would have looked good on somebody else, on a rangy, edgy art student. Mm-hmm. Not on a normal-sized lady in her then early 30s. And I think I tried to match it with a sort of big chain. And now oh. suddenly remembering. I, th- I sort of thought, yeah, let's go a bit, let's go a little bit bling, a little bit rock and roll. It was, it was awful. Okay, so that awful. was a disaster. So on the flip side, do you have a birthday suit? Something that you you was a big success and is your go-to when you want to look fab? It's a kind of fantasy birthday suit, actually, and I'm going to name-check my daughter here because, um, in fact, both of them, they are so ruddy cool. They get all their stuff vintage. They go to these kilo sales, so you buy a kilo of clothes for 10 quid, and they they go to one in Brixton, and they're they're, they're all sort of over this one in the East End, and, and, I mean, the thought of that just makes me slightly makes me feel really stressed because I just think, oh, God, I'd go and just buy the most awful amount of crap you know what I mean <laughs> and they go and they just buy really sort of they they've got the eye they've got the eyes yeah. also they're 19 and 17 so they've got that kind of oh that just lovely late teen thing going on and in my fantasy world it's never going to happen because I'm 53 I would show up at a party dressed head to toe from kilo sale clothes and I would just look edgy um, <laughs> and a little, just a, a bit playful, edgy, <laughs> playful, a little, little bit hipster, a little bit retro and just cool. Innate style all Innate the way bloody through. style. Yeah. In fact, I've got here. So, for example, I mean, this, you know, this came from the kilo sale. Oh my my God. Do- Is that a shirt? It's a shirt. It's so nice. I love it. It's, what it, material is it? Is it's it kind really, of like it's cotton? No, it's cotton. That is so nice. Hold it up properly so I can see. It's it's got such a brilliant shape. I love that. It's that's kind of seventies. Do you think that was a bloke's? Yeah, it's a bloke's seventies so shirt. So it's fitted. Yeah, yes. she looks. It oh, stinks of smoke. Stinks okay. of smoke. That she, but she's she's got the look. If I went into a kilo sale and said, right, I'm going to buy a 1970s bloke's fitted shirt. It, I mean, it would just be a total freaking disaster. She cuts and she sort of flounces out with this. And it so looks cool. brilliant. Yeah. Looks that really, is, really good. That anyway. is deeply cool. Well, darling, I'm going to let you go back to your um, red lounger and now you've got your dressing gown all you're going to have to do is you're going to go fall back to sleep on there and then roll into bed in your dressing gown but listen and I'm so sorry I was late I feel really really bad about that and it's just I just fell asleep I just fell asleep in the lounger 
oh, it's one of my favourite objects of all time, that lounger. And I just fell asleep and I thought, it's okay, I'll wake up in 20 minutes. And I'm just, I, apologies. So, you well, know. you are going to be swinging from the rafters tonight after that disco nap. So um, I'm very, very envious. And you have been amazing and you're wonderful. And I can't oh. thank you enough. And I've, it's like I do all these questions and I know that, it's like I barely asked any of them, which is a sign of a good, really good interview. It's well, flipping right, great. Thank you. Right back at you. I've absolutely loved um, being in your company. And let's go to Aquila. I'd love to go to Aquila cell with Should you. Should we do that? Let's do it. Yes, please. <gasps> let's yes, do it. Please. Okay, they're let's in, do it. They're intense, though. Average age, 16. Okay, probably. that's fine. We can deal with that. Can we? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. We can. We can. Let's do and it. And there's a lot... I imagine, because I've never been to one, but from the way they've been described, there's a lot. It's like car boot times square that by 75. I mean, it is intense. You have to really get in the get in the piles of stuff, you know. Anyway, Amazing. I'm up for it if you are. Okay, good. All right, my darling. Well, listen, you take care. And Bye. thank you so much. All right. Oh, That's enough. So welcome. Loads of love. Thanks a lot. God, Mel, I bloody love you. Thank you. That was so much fun and well worth the wait. Don't forget Mel's new novel, The Best Things, is available at all good bookstores on and offline. Right, before we go, we have a bit of news. We and our house band duo are taking my ward Mel on the road, literally, to one place about 20 minutes from my house. But we are live streaming it too, so you can enjoy it from wherever you are in the world, from the comfort of your own home. It's on Sunday, the 7th of November, starting at 7.45pm for those in the Yvonne Arno Mill Studio and at 8pm for those streaming. Check out our show notes and our website, mywardmail.com, for more on how to get tickets It's going to be eventful because I promise you we have absolutely no idea what we're doing. You can also drop us a line by emailing help at mywardmail.com. Follow us at mywardmail and we'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, rate and review us on your chosen podcast platform. Oh, and you can find Duo at duoguitarmusic.com or at duoguitarmusic on their socials. Anyway, that's it. Thanks so much again to the marvellous Mel and to Duo. And of course, thanks to you guys for listening. Catch up soon. Until then, my wardrobe is officially closed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.